Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I got a fantastic Wednesday one for you today, so buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Y'all, first up, because so much of the news just drags us down, I want to start off with the maybe the world's not completely horrible palate cleansing today in awesome story of the day, and at the center of that, you have Haley Strong. Because Haley is our BAMF of the day, and the woman in this video. Your guys' garage is on fire. We're not talking like some small minor fire. You can literally see smoke billowing out from the corner of the garage in this ring video. And so what you have in this situation is this woman, Haley Strong. She's driving through an Ohio suburb at around 1 a.m. when she spots the flames. Haley then stopping, standing on the front porch, knocking on the door for minutes on end. Meanwhile, as it turns out, the family's inside. You got the parents casually watching Stranger Things, which I get it. It's a great season, but it's not. I don't care that my house is on fire good. Though, as it turns out, they weren't aware of the fire, even though it ended up just completely decimating their garage. And at the time, it was raging on the other side of the parents' bedroom. And if you're wondering why this family was so oblivious, did Vecna have a hold on them? Did they not have smoke detectors or did they destroy theirs like I did that one time when I was really high and couldn't reach it so I hit it with a broom? Well, no, it turns out they had them. It just happened to be that the wind was blowing in such a direction that it kept everyone inside from smelling the smoke with the smoke detectors not picking the blaze up either. And so luckily they finally hear Haley and she actually stays and helps the parents get all nine of their kids out of the house, saving everyone in the process. With the dad then later calling her an angel and the mom telling local news. Oh, they're out outcomes that could have happened if she wouldn't have stopped and knocked on the door. I don't know if me and him would be here today for them kids. And so that is why, without a doubt, Haley, you are our BAMF of the day. And then we got this online gambling and promotion controversy in the news, and unsurprisingly, at the center of it, you have Drake. And I say unsurprisingly because Drake dropped a whole ass album this year, and he's been making more headlines for gambling than that. And if you don't know, he's been streaming his gambling on Twitch. He's actually an official partner with Stake.com, an online crypto gambling platform. He's got the Stake Drake Twitch channel. And even if you're not on Twitch, you've possibly seen one of these clips that has gone viral, with one of the most recent ones being Drake winning nearly $12 million in a roulette spin. Yeah! with Stake's Instagram promoting that bit as well as other wins from the stream. But also, I do want to point out, even though he won big there and at various points, he actually ended the night with a big loss. But of course, a platform that's trying to get you to spend your money with the hopes of winning big like Drake, they're, they're not going to promote that. It's also part of the reason so many gambling platforms are like, look at this insane parlay. Someone bet a dollar and won a hundred thousand because they want you to take insane bets that will almost never hit where they just essentially get to print money. Or the question in my head when I see that is the, the guy that won the thousand to one parlay, how much money has he lost before he finally hit? But, I'm getting sidetracked here. The reason we're talking about this is that a lot of people are starting to express their issues with Drake and the streaming partnership. With people concerned that it promotes gambling in an unhealthy way, especially to young people. Or because while both videos were labeled 18 plus in the title, you have places like Dexerto pointing out that there's no real way to prevent younger people from watching it. And of course, this isn't a new debate. This is kind of just the evolution of the situation. We've had names like Asmongold, Pokemon, and Ludwig all either speaking out against it or at the very least advising serious caution when it comes to gambling content. And now that you have massive stars like Drake getting very, very involved and publicly so, it's generated some conversation like, Drake's Twitch stream today is horrifying. More than 100,000 concurrent viewers on Twitch, home to a young, impressionable audience, exposed to luck-based gambling. His influence on them should not be understated. Another saying, it's just so flawed and dangerous to allow a global star being paid by an online casino to stream gambling on their own slots because people can be so susceptible to addiction. With many also specifically pointing to the partnership here between Drake and Stake. People wondering how much is he getting paid? Does he actually have equity in the company so he's essentially gambling against himself? Or for those of you who remember, people wondering, is this like CSGO Lotto again? With people saying he's getting 
getting paid to fake it while folks about to lose their life savings. But ultimately, that's where we are with this right now. And of course, I want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? Or do you think people are blowing this out of proportion or you think it is a massive issue? What are your thoughts on Drake being so heavily involved? Anything and everything you're thinking on this, I'd love to see in those comments down below. And then we had Donald Trump in the news for two reasons. The first is kind of more of a schoolyard, let them fight reason. And the other is for a, you know, a very genuinely scary and important reason. The first being that World War T has officially begun. Right? You had Elon Musk backing out of buying Twitter, Trump calling him a bullshit artist. Elon responds the next day by saying that Trump should hang up his hat and sail off into the sunset, saying Trump was just too much drama. With Trump responding by saying, <clears throat> When Elon Musk came to the White House asking me for help on all of his many subsidized projects, whether it's electric cars that don't drive long enough, driverless cars that crash, or rocket ships to nowhere, without which subsidies he'd be worthless, and telling me how he was a big Trump fan and Republican, I could have said drop to your knees and beg, and he would have done it, folks. Elon responds with LMAO and a gif of the Simpsons grandpa yelling at a cloud. As of recording, Trump has not responded yet. And as far as who is gonna win this fight, I think it's all of us. Two messy egomaniacs with legions of fanatics taking swings at one another. I'm hoping for a double knockout. There's like a messy bitch from Queens who loves drama and trying to end democracy versus a Redditor. But then, of course, the second reason that Trump is in the news is because of the 2020 election in January 6th. And the first thing here is his newly leaked audio from October 31st, 2020, or just a week before the election, and it's of Trump's former aide, Steve Bannon, just kind of laying out the game plan. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs voted mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. We're going to have Antifa crazy, the media crazy, the courts are crazy, and Trump's going to be sitting there mocking, tweeting, <laughs> you lose. <laughs> I'm the winner. I'm the king. And he'll be all over. He'll be, he'll be going, where's Hunter? Is Hunter on a crack pipe? I mean, no, he'll be, because then it doesn't matter. Remember, here's the thing. After then, Trump never has to go to a voter again. He's going to fire Ray, the FBI director. Fire the he's going to say, F you. How about that? Because he's never going to, he's, he's done his last election. Oh, he's going to be off the chain. He's going to be crazy. Also, also if, Trump is, if Trump is losing by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, it's going to be even crazier. Cause no, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. I'm yeah, doing the uh, agree. I'm directing the attorney general mm. to shut down all ballot places in all 50 states. It's going to be no. He's not going out easy. If, Trump, if Biden's winning, Trump is going to do some crazy shit. And all that audio reportedly comes from a meeting that Bannon had with Guo Wengui, an exiled far-right Chinese businessman and other Chinese exiles. Now, notably, at that time, Bannon was not officially part of Trump's administration or election team, so you could argue that he was just guessing. But you have people saying the counterpoint to that, or at least it's just interesting to note that what he said is almost exactly how it played out, and he helped Trump echo those claims after the election. And the key thing here, even though he knew that they were bogus and part of a strategy to steal the election. So at the very least, not gonna be helpful audio for Steve Bannon, who's currently facing two counts of contempt of Congress charges, even though now he says that he wants to testify. But regarding that, prosecutors don't seem to care and say that he's already broken the law and he's scheduled for trial next week. And then secondly, on January 6th, you have the committee's hearing yesterday about Trump's actions closer to January 6th itself. Because a big defense that Trump and his defenders have argued is that he never intended for things to escalate how they did. But according to emails revealed by the January 6th committee yesterday, Trump's campaign spokesperson told White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on January 2nd 
second that Trump's expectations are to have something intimate at the ellipse and call on everyone to march to the Capitol. And yesterday, the committee revealed a series of draft tweets marked as seen by Trump detailing what he knew would happen. They're saying things like march to the Capitol after, stop the steal. And it wasn't just those in the administration who knew. Rally organizers such as Kylie Creamer, leader of Women for America First, writing in a text on January 4th, POTUS is going to call for it just unexpectedly. Another pro-Trump organizer texted on January 5th, Trump is supposed to order us to the Capitol at the end of his speech, but we will see. With the committee continuing to close in on Trump himself by increasingly showing he knew and planned for the insurrection to stop the peaceful transfer of power, with Liz Cheney saying, The strategy is to blame people his advisors called, quote, the crazies for what Donald Trump did. This, of course, is nonsense. President Trump is a 76-year-old man. He is not an impressionable child. Just like everyone else in our country, he is responsible for his own actions and his own choices. And Trump doesn't appear to be helping himself. With Cheney yesterday revealing, quote, President Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not seen in these hearings. That person declined to answer or respond to President Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer to the call, with the incident now having been referred to the Justice Department. Which kind of just as a general pro tip, it's usually frowned upon when you try to tamper with witnesses. Because even if they can't get you on anything else, they could still hit you on that specifically. Plus, at the very least, it just makes you look super guilty. Because while a portion of this country has been told not to look at this situation by their Fox News propaganda overlords. Since the start of these hearings, I think more and more people are seeing it how, I mean, Brad Parscale, Trump's former campaign manager, put it in a text to Trump's spokesperson. This is a sitting president asking for a civil war. However, unlike big boy Brad, I won't be selling out that stance by accepting a job on Trump's leadership pack and getting $150,000 after those texts were sent. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Roman. Roman is a digital health clinic for men that makes high quality care accessible and convenient. Did you know that 52% of men will experience ED? More men experience ED than don't, and a lot of guys let it get in the way of their big moment in the bedroom or location of their choice. And if this sounds like something that you've dealt with, there's good news because you can take care of it with the help of Roman. When you go to GetRoman.com slash Phil, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. There's no need for that awkward doctor's office visit and trip to the pharmacy. But the whole process is straightforward, discreet, and will help you make sure you're ready for the occasion. So get Roman ready and go to GetRoman.com slash Phil, where you'll get $15 off your first month for ED treatment, plus free to two-day shipping. Take advantage of this special discount and get $15 off your first month of treatment. And then, for two different reasons, we need to talk about this new video that's finally been released from Inside Rob Elementary in Uvalde, which the Austin American Statesman has now released. Now, before I dive into this, I do want to say, even though I'm not going to show any graphic or violent content, if for whatever reason you want to skip this, this is part of the reason I include time codes. The timestamps are both in the description as well as if you hover over the timeline. With that said, you know, this starts with the shooter crashing his truck near the school, as you can see, with two men approaching, then running away. Next, you can hear an unidentified teacher on the phone with 911 screaming that the kids are running and then yelling at them to get in their classrooms. After that, you have the cell phone video showing the shooter entering the school and walking off frame with a child leaving a bathroom to return to class, turning the corner and quickly retreating as the shooter fires. And that's when he enters the first classroom and the massacre begins. We also now know that he fired more than 100 rounds in about two and a half minutes. And with this, about three minutes into the shooting, you see the first officers arrive on the scene with some rushing toward the gunman, others peering around the corner. And gunshots continue to boom throughout the hall with the officers who ran toward the shooter now retreating back to the entrance. And there they waited for almost the next 74 minutes in that hallway, even as they heard at least four more gunshots inside the classroom 45 minutes after arriving. At which point, around a dozen officers moved toward the classroom with one heard saying they're making entry, but nobody actually goes inside. You also have many people angry about how casual some of them appear to be. Nine minutes later, you see one officer in a ballistic vest pausing to squirt hand sanitizer on his hands. At one point, you can see an officer on his phone. Then you can see two officers in camouflage fist bump each other. Meanwhile, this whole time, they're waiting for keys to the classrooms, which we now know they didn't even need because the doors were unlocked. Plus, an officer soon arrives with a sledgehammer. And of course, as we know, they eventually do engage the shooter and kill.
kill him. Though currently we are still waiting on an analysis by a medical expert to determine how many victims died after police arrived. And as for who is at fault for this response, a lot of the blame has been directed towards school district police chief Pete Arredondo. We also have others knowing that there were numerous agencies on the scene there. This including the Uvalde Police Department, Uvalde County Sheriff's Department, Texas Department of Public Safety, Texas Rangers, U.S. Border Patrol, and U.S. Marshal Service. So we have all of that, but of course there's the second news story, which is around the statement's actual release of this video. Because in the wake of all of this, you have some victims' family members outraged that this was made public, especially before they could view it themselves. It got leaked, it got shown all over the world, and we are pissed. These were our babies, our babies that were taken from us. So to the person that leaked it, Screw you. It's like reliving that day all over again. With then the Uvalde mayor and town council members saying during a hearing yesterday. The way that video was released today is one of the most chicken things I've ever seen. Two thirds of the family or part of their families are in Washington, D.C. right yes, now. Sir. And they're going to have to turn on the TV and see that tonight. Not even with the rest of their family. This was wrong to do it this way. The video needed to be released, but the family should have got to see it first. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. The mayor said chicken. It was chicken. Yeah. To release that video the way you did it. They did that for ratings and they did that for money. But at the same time, you do have some victims' relatives expressing support for the release, like one telling a CBS affiliate, I'm happy it's released, but I wish they would have waited until the family members got to see it beforehand. Right, and regarding that, a state Senate panel had actually originally planned to show the video to families on Sunday. And as far as what the statesman has to say for itself, they said, our goal is to continue to bring to light what happened at Robb Elementary, which the families and friends of the Uvalde victims have long been asking for. We have to bear witness to history and transparency and unrelenting reporting as a way to bring change. But one thing many people on both sides of this issue do seem to have in common is outrage towards the police response. Or you got the likes of podcaster Ethan Klein criticizing the officer who appears to check his phone, saying he did that while the gunfire went off to the cries of children, very badass. Another person saying, a fist bump, a fucking fist bump. I can only pray they still hear those baby screams and see the carnage they ignored every single time they blink. And Senator Chris Murphy adding, the Uvalde video puts to bed forever the question of whether the way to deal with bad guys with guns is to make sure there are more good guys with guns. We've always known it was a gun industry created lie designed to sell more guns. Now we just have the gut-wrenching proof. And that is where this story ends at least for now because it seems like every couple of weeks we just find out even more unbelievable details about this shooting. It's just been absolutely crazy to watch the narrative move from hero cops take down shooter after tragic massacre to now cops with more than enough firepower and protection refuse to save kids from shooters spend over an hour waiting for keys they don't even need and fist bump and check their phone in the hallway. Oh yeah and then lied about what happened afterwards. But yeah that is ultimately where we are and of course with this story I have two questions. One what are your thoughts regarding the authorities here now that we have this video and two what are your thoughts regarding the statesman releasing this video the way they did. But ultimately, that is where that story in today's show ends. Thanks for watching, being a part of that conversation, subscribing for these daily dives in the news. Also, if you're looking for more news, I got you covered here or here. But with that said, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.